Well, hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bry Comedy. And as usual, you can always reach me at Chef Bry Comedy or simply searching Surviving Empathy Podcast. And today's episode is Brian's Big Pep Talk, calling all introverts, calling all empaths, calling all sensitives, uh, anybody who's struggling with their mental health and anybody who's working the, the, the tiresome, grueling workaday life knows that life can be so tragically difficult if we allow it to be. And so at some point in our life, we have to take control, take over agency over our life. And sometimes that means putting bad people in their place. Sometimes it means standing up for our work. And that's what this episode is all about. I want you guys to start learning power and control and agency over your life. And I'm going to be using an example from a movie called Collateral with Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise, where the character, the cab driver, Max, starts off complacent and sort of, uh, you know, he's comfortable. He doesn't want to, you know, rock the boat. And by the end, he has to find his uh, inner strength and bravery to take over this sociopathic predator who's trying to domineer him and, and destroy his life. And that's what the movie's about. And that's what uh, our struggles are all about. It seems like the tougher, stronger, uh, more brash people in our society are getting all the goods while we're getting nothing. And no way, man, this life, the meek shall inherit the earth so long as you uh, listen to uh, your conscience and you let your willpower be your guide. Uh, so that's what this episode is all going to be about. It's Brian's Big Pep Talk, and I hope you guys are having a good day. Uh, this is going to be uh, the second episode of the week, and uh, from now on, you're going to see that the first episode will be about ghosts or cryptids, and the second episode will be about life or mental health or empath stuff. That's what we're doing from here on out. It's kind of like getting your broccoli first, or your cotton candy first, and then your broccoli second. So, thank you for joining me, and let's begin. Well, hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bride Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk a little bit different. You know, I decided um, on the hiatus that I was going to do things just a slight bit different, not that different, but just a little tiny bit different in the sense that I'm still going to do two episodes per week, but I'm going to do one episode on the paranormal or cryptids, and then one episode per week on uh, empath and or mental health life stuff. So that's kind of how I have this uh, podcast arranged as a I think of the paranormal and cryptids and aliens and UFOs and all those strange things as one half of the show. And then the other half of the show is empaths, mental health, robust living, and life. And so one episode per week will be dedicated to uh, the fun stuff. And then one episode will be, uh, you know... The, uh, eating our broccoli, if you will, and that's the mental health stuff and taking care of ourselves and things like that. Because I do believe that if you're going to um, get better in life, uh, you have to know where you were and you know have to know where you were going um, and you have to know where you are so that you can, uh, f- you know, forge a new path forward. And um, and so yeah, I just think it's important that we keep up on all things, you know, because you can't. 
you can't just go entirely into the uh, paranormal field and world without checking in on yourself from time to time, especially if you're an empath. Now, I know that a lot of people out there, you know, are fascinated by being an empath. I know that there's a lot of mystique and, um, you know, it's an interesting thing. It's It took me a very long time to understand what it was and why it is and all that. And, um, you know, the truth is, is that as much as it is, um, you know, a little bit different, um, I don't think of it as a special gift. I don't think of it as a magic power. Sometimes I think of it as a curse, really. Um, but the truth is, is that... Um, being an empath is just about being intuitive. You're just intuitive. You're sensitive. Um, I'm not so intuitive that I'm psychic, but I'm not, but I definitely understand how it differs from being a psychic or a medium because I'm, I don't have mediumship. I don't have the ability to foresee future events. Um, and I don't have the ability to, um, you know, I do have the ability to, to uh, sense ghosts, but I don't have the ability to necessarily um, have them speak through me or something of that nature. You know what I mean? So if you're looking at a scale of from one to ten, you know, I'm, I might be there on a seven or eight in terms of being uh, an empath. You know, if I was to compare that to psychics, I would say that psychics are around a nine or a 10 and I'm a, you know, six, seven or eight, you know, but that's okay. You know, I, it's not a competition. You know, we, we're, what, we're not doing this to, um, to say, Oh, Hey, look at how special I am. No, it's not about that at all. Um, it's about simply, uh, uh, figuring out why am I so sensitive? Why am I so intuitive? Why do I feel like, even though I can be very tough, why do I always seem to have this baseline of sensitivity? You know, and that's what it's about because it's not about magic. It's not about, uh, you know, the new ageism. It's not about, uh, the spiritual arts. It's not about astrology. It's not, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, like I met along my journey as a podcaster, many, many people, who claim to be an empath. And I'm perfectly happy with that. Unlike the uh, empath slayer guy out there who I told you about, who's trying to reign himself supreme over all other empaths and, and wants to character assassinate these people. Um, I believe that life is short and life, um, it, it, you know, it's the more the merrier. If you think you're an empath, it doesn't matter whether you really are or not. To my mind, whether you, if you think you are and you have some ability to feel things and you're uh, more sensitive than the average bear, uh, welcome to the empath tribe. You know, in fact, in order to be a part of my empath tribe, I don't ask that you be an empath at all. I only ask that you be a good person. Um, you don't have to be perfect though. And that's the thing about my brand here is that, uh, I have been in radio and I do have a radio voice when I put it on. Um, but most of the time, you know, especially in the winter, I'm clearing my throat a thousand times. I'm going off here and there. I, you know, it's not about perfection. It's not about being a perfect person. It's not about being an influencer. It's not about trying to get you guys to think, oh, wow, this guy's super special. No, I mean, we're all special in our own special way. And that's what it's about. It's about celebrating the unique specialness in all of us. And so 
that's what this episode today is about. It's about freedom. It's about agency. And uh, I'll explain what I mean. Um, you know, you've heard the term in baseball, free agent. You know, it just means that you signed a contract and once that contract is up, you are free to go wherever, wherever you want. You're free. You're a free agent. Well, human beings uh, very rarely uh, recognize and wake up to their potential. And I call myself a humanist because um, it's it's a little bit of activism and it's a little bit of humanism and it's a little bit of, um, you know, just um, being a human potentialist to see the potential of human beings. It doesn't mean that I wake up every day um, enamored with the human species all the time. Um, in fact, as you guys know, I talk a little shit sometimes. And uh, I want to explain why. <laughs> because, okay, so I've spent the majority of my life doing as I was told. Uh, ever since I was in school, uh, you know, do what you're told. Do what you're told. Go over there, Brian. Okay. Um, and then as you get older, you get a little, you go through puberty and you change and the shy kid turns into the funny kid. And then you become kind of a class clown of sorts. And, um, and then you learn something. Ah, when I'm funny, the girls like me more. And, um, that is unfortunately the, uh, underlying motive at that age but um but the point is, that i'm making is that we very rarely understand as we're getting older and going through the different stages of development do we understand our own freedom and agency you know what i mean you know you can spend your whole life free as a bird and never ever truly be free and um, the unfortunate problem nowadays is that sometimes we're only as free as our finances will allow us to be. I'm not free enough to move where I want. I'm not free enough to live where I want. I'm not free enough to do anything I want, unfortunately. And that is the plight of the average working bear, you know. Any working person who uh, receives a paycheck for a job, uh, is going to be only free as their circumstances allow them to be. Uh, financially speaking, you're not, you know, you have to be at work on the days and times they want you there. And in exchange, they give you a paycheck and, um, and some people like their job. So there's not necessarily anything wrong with that in and of itself until you start understanding what agency and freedom is. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you guys, I started this podcast because I was leaving a job that made me feel that I wasn't free to be myself, that I had to put on a, a cute little song and dance to get people to uh, like me. And uh, I've always been a polite and sensible person. I've always been uh, kind and generous, um, but I've always been a smart ass. <laughs> And, um, frankly, you guys, uh, what agency is to me is that we have to grow up into the person we want to be. Okay. Because at the end of the day, this world will and does try to tell us how to be 
Tell us how to act. Okay. And, um, and yes, I have always believed that there's a certain, you know, don't color too much outside the lines. You know, I'm not trying to tell everybody, let's go become radicals. Let's all become crazy. Um, but there, but we do have to understand our freedoms and our agency in this world. If we are to trust in ourselves, I was watching, um, that movie collateral that 2004 movie with Jamie Foxx and uh Tom Cruise and yes I said Jamie Foxx first <laughs> um great actor uh yeah Tom Cruise is fine he I I give him credit for all his longevity and I give him credit for his doing his own stunts I think he's a brave dude um that being said he gets a little bit to be too much sometimes but that's all right hey whatever um the point I'm making is that in this movie uh, it's about an assassin who f- lands in L.A., if you haven't seen it. Spoiler alert. Um, I won't give away the end. But uh, the point is, is that there, an assassin comes to L.A. and he ends up in the cab of Jamie Foxx, who plays Max. Vincent is uh, the character, the hitman, uh, and he's uh, played by Tom Cruise. And he um, has five people on his hit list to kill within this one evening. And uh, he's a paid assassin, you know. Now, before you, I get too far, I don't want to tell you that I'm trying to tell you guys to go be a hitman. No, no, fuck no. <laughs> no, but I am talking about the character Max. Max is played so well by Jamie Foxx that it just, oh, man, I realized what a heavy weight he was as an actor after that film came out. Um, but the point is, is that as he's chugging along with Vincent uh, to all these places, um, you know, he's starting to think, well, you know, how do I know I'm going to live through all this? And he doesn't, you know, how do I know that you're not going to kill these people and then kill me and then just dump the whole cab, you know, or something, you know, um, he's scared. He's f- afraid for his life. And, um, and so during the course of the movie, uh, first he, he ends up, you know, uh, a, uh, a body lands on his cab. He has this perfect cab, clean, beautiful, and he takes pride in himself. And he takes pride of, uh, of himself as a cab driver, as he should. No matter what your career, you should always be proud of, of yourself and you should always do the best job you can. Um, that being said, uh, he, uh, so this body lands on the cab and it's, it's the, the, the murder victim of Vincent who, uh, fell out the window when he got shot. Okay. Now that's gross. I know. I'm sorry. But the point is, uh, of this, uh, fo- stay with me. Cause the point, there's a point, there's a point. Let's just say that. Um, and so he, you know, Vincent gets down and he's like, Oh, he, you know, Max starts putting it together. Oh shit. He killed him. Right. And so, um, he told, he forces him to put the body in the trunk and they, he, they pour water where the blood is and, and they go on to their second target. Um, that part is awful. And I know that, that don't, don't worry about that part. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that as Max is going along with Vincent, he starts, um, having a relationship with Vincent in such a way where Vincent's like, you know, because he always tells people, we know this at the beginning of the movie, because he always tells people that he's saving up for a business, for 
a limo service, aisle limos, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an experience, you know, and, um, he might be telling the truth, but he's been a cab driver for 12 years. And so Vincent's like, uh, t- temporary, huh? This is temporary. Are you sure about that? And, uh, he keeps pushing him and pushing him and pushing him out of his comfort zone. Um, because in a weird way, even though this guy's a sociopath, he sees how this guy is afraid. He's complacent. Complacency is when we, um, stay at a job because it's comfortable. Complacency is when we settle for less because the idea of, of doing anything else, uh, terrifies us or it just the, the, maybe we don't have the effort in us to do it anymore because of our age, maybe because of our health, maybe because of our mental health. There's many, many reasons why we settle in this life, right? And I'm not saying that that's always a bad thing. Um, so don't, you know, assume that I think that if you're settling for a job that you're not totally in love with, um, that I, you know, that I'm going to tell you to quit your job and go do something crazy. No, not necessarily. But I do want you guys to start thinking about your existence on this earth. So in the beginning of the movie, Max runs into a, uh, he picks up a lawyer uh, played by Jada Pinkett Smith. I don't remember if she's been Smith yet. I think she was. Yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith. And she plays this lawyer and, you know, and they have this really nice uh, personal banter. And he asks her, you know, how does she deal with, uh, you know, uh, the tough days when she has to be in court? And she kind of explains that I, um, I'm, I, I don't throw up like a lot of people, but I, I say I'm a fraud. I'm a failure. I'm a fake. Someone, everyone's going to figure me out. And then I rewrite my opening statements and I re, I go through my, uh, uh, what do you call it there? Um, she goes through her exhibits over and over again and gets them memorized and put in the right order. And then, um, once she rewrites everything and goes through her crying and her, her little thing that she does, um, she says, then I go to sleep. I sleep like a baby and then wake up the next day and I'm fine. And it's like, she's got her re her way of doing it. Right. And, um, and, and Jamie Foxx, you can tell has this like, Ooh, this woman is beautiful and smart. You know, she's a triple threat, you know, and uh, you could see it was really a really cute scene because you could see them forging a relationship, a bond, you know, even though the bond might only be that one day, it was a really heartfelt thing for her to sort of treat Max the cabbie as a real person because she sees him. He's a handsome man and you know, smart and nice cab, you know, so, uh, I think that's cool. Um, so the, the point is, is that, um, as the story continues on, he, um, he's being pushed by Vincent out of his comfort zones. Um, because at one point he, um, Vincent forces, uh, Max to go see his mother who's in the hospital and uh, Max is like, fuck, no, I'm not going to the hospital with Vincent here. You kidding me? I'm not bringing this hit man to my mother. But Vincent finds out and forces him to go visit his mother, because if not, um, she's going to call the cab company 17 times and screw up Vincent's plans. And so he thought it's just easier to get the visit over with. And so that's what they do. And then Vincent forces Max to get uh, 
flowers for his mom. And, um, she's like, she's not going to want them. She's not going to want them. And then she, they get in there and, uh, she's like, what did you get me these for? You know, that's just a waste of money, you know? And, uh, because he knows his mom, you know? And then, um, Max says, well, Vincent made me do it. You know, Vincent got him for you. And then she changes her whole tune when this handsome guy is in there and she's like, Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you know? Because what's the point is that moms treat their sons differently than they treat anybody in the world. She just wants Max to be successful and happy, you know? And so she kind of is unfair to Max because um, she treats him differently than she treats everybody else. She gives him a hard time a lot. And she thinks that he's running this aisle limo service already. So he's been lying to his mom to get her off his back. And Vincent finds out, well, as the things, as the visit gets increasingly more weird and uncomfortable, Max sees an opportunity to um, take Vincent's uh, briefcase full of his targets who have all, all the people that he's going to kill that night. And he runs, he runs off and, uh, Vincent runs after him and he, he gets on uh, all the way out of the hospital on, on this uh, freeway overpass bridge and he chucks it and he throws it and it lands on the freeway and uh, papers go everywhere and it's all ran over and it's ruined. And uh, he puts them on the ground and goes, why did you do this? This is my life. This is my life, you know, and they have a scene. And um, the point is, is that he forces uh, Max to go to his uh, connection and and get, you know, a duplicate file of his hit targets. And in doing so, he had to um, change. He had to change into somebody different because he's afraid. And, uh, you know, Vincent says, well, just have comfort in the fact that you have no choice, you know? And so he goes in this club and he talks his way through the uh, security and he gets over to the, his target. It's this, you know, Hispanic gang, you know, and they're very intimidating. And, uh, you know, the guy's kind of talking down to him and shit going, how could you lose the list and all this? And then all of a sudden you see Jamie Foxx's character snap, just snap. You could see he was sick of this shit <laughs> and something changed in him. Boom. Just on a dime. And then from that point of the movie on, he was the new Max. He was the stronger Huffer Max. And um, he snapped and he he talked his way uh, out of the situation. He got the uh, hard drive and uh, the thumb drive and, and they took off. And, um, and so I don't want to bore you with the whole story necessarily. But the thing of it is, is that in a weird way, whether Vincent was doing it because he likes the guy or whether he was doing it because he was calling his bluff, he was calling him out on his lies... Uh, for whatever reason, he took to Max and wanted Max to do better in life. Now, whether he had altruistic intent or not is hard to say. Um, but the point is, you guys, is that we, we all um, get uncomfortable with change. We all get in uncomfortable when we have to take agency over ourselves. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is, is that, um, well, I, I was just explaining this uh, before the show to Rebecca, is that we are the only species, we're the only critter, we're the only animal on this earth 
that when we're born, we have zero agency. We cannot uh, eat without our mom. We cannot crawl without our moms. We cannot do anything until we're old enough to have learned how to crawl before we walk and to uh, eat, uh, you know, paste before we uh, drink, eat solid foods, etc. Right. And so we are the only animal that is born completely defenseless. And so we rely very heavily on our mom uh, in the very early stages of life, which is perfectly normal. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we are the only species of animal. And yes, we are an animal. I want you guys to understand that I say that with no disrespect. Um, we are animals. We're mammals. We like to think that we're not because we have these brains that can far exceed the abilities of other animals. But uh, I assure you, um, I'm sure some uh, planet far away has the same thing. Um, the point is, is that we do not understand the awesome power of our agency. Uh, sometimes ever, uh, but sometimes uh, it takes a push. It takes someone pushing us or it takes life pushing us. And, and so sometimes, you know, you've heard the old saying, um, uh, sometimes we can't get tough until we have no other choice, you know? And that's so true, you guys, because, you know, um, when we're growing up, um, you know, I'll admit I was a mama's boy. I was a grandma's boy. I was, I was all into female energy when I was young because, um, you know, big scary men were like, ooh, I remember when I started Little League, I was, um, 12 and I only did one year. And, um, I remember I could not get over the fact that, uh, the catcher had a beard. I was like, ah, oh, man, I'm not playing against this guy. This guy's got a beard. I was 12, you know? <laughs> so, and so I was very intimidated to play baseball at first, even though I had played soccer at, by this time, at least, I don't know, three or four years by this point. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's quite normal and comfortable. It's quite normal and it's okay that children, um, uh, have a failure to launch sometimes. That's normal. Some kids, uh, start, you know, becoming potty trade sooner than others. Some kids um, learn to read before others. Some kids don't talk until they're four or five years old because of some arrested behavior, you know. And and um, but eventually, you guys, we all tend to catch up with each other, you know. Once we grow up, um, it, it's a great equalizer. We're all the same, you know. I mean, yes, yeah, some of us are smarter than others, and some of us are taller, and some of us have better bodies and stuff. But that's irrelevant. That is superficial stuff. What matters is our potential, you know? What matters is our ability to see what we are and to use that to the best of our abilities. And I'll tell you something, you guys. You know, it does no service to mankind or womankind or humankind, if you will. It does no good to raise kids to be followers ever since we're old enough to go to kindergarten, frankly, you know? We are taught from a very, very young age to do as we're told. And the reason why that is, 
is because there are certain rules to follow. Kids can be very, ah, you know, and so we teach them order. And that's okay. We have to learn order. We have to learn the rules, you know. We have to learn how this world works before you let a child free out there to go be his own adult or his or her own adult, man or woman. And um, and that's perfectly normal. It takes, you know, it takes time to grow. We're a very complex species. And so it takes a very long time to learn social identity, to, to have confidence in ourselves, to learn uh, freedom and agency, you guys. Because, and the thing is, you know, is that some people always have agency and then there's some people that don't. And um, I call that arrested development, like the show. Um, arrested development means any... Uh, mental block or neuroses that is preventing you from developing to your fullest uh, potential or maturation, right? And so we uh, humans, um, you know, the truth is, is that it's very hard being human, you guys. And that's why I started this. I started it for a couple of reasons. Uh, but the main reason is because I was starting to see that the world is getting uh, bold and aggressive and it's taking advantage of uh, our uh, circumstances. And, and what, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is, is that the world is a top-down world. It takes advantage of poor people. Look at all the, look at the military, for example. It, absolutely depends on poverty and poor people to go into the military to serve in order to fight our wars. And why is that? Well, because rich kids don't have to. Rich kids don't need the money for college. Rich kids don't, they have options. Poor kids, they get out of high school, like myself, and uh, sure, I could have gone to junior college. In fact, that's what I did when I got out of the military anyways, but this time I was armed with a few things. Not only was I armed with the GI Bill, but I was armed with so many experiences, you guys. You know, I've dangled from the skids of helicopters. I've jumped from perfectly good towers and airplanes. <laughs> and I don't know how I did it looking back because I, I can't even stand commercial flying now. <laughs> I've gotten older, I guess, but... um the point is, you guys, is that um, I was a crazy young one because um, I just knew how short life was and I knew that I was being exploited because I was poor, not just in the military, but in all the jobs that I was taking on, too. And um, so I was a chef. For many, many years, and then uh, I got out because I was getting tired of glass ceilings, and I was getting tired of drama, and I didn't have the money to start my own eatery, especially in California, because it's very expensive there. And so I, um, when I met my wife, um, I was working for an army base, an army post, if you will, Fort Hutter Liggett, and I worked for the Army Reserve. Uh, where we uh, did maintenance and uh, facilitation of the Army Reserve. Everything from vehicles to combat gear to radio uh, uh, 
communication equipment, right? And, uh, you know, it was an okay paying job, um, but uh, <clears throat> I didn't get along very well with uh, my boss because he was a, he was, you know, frankly, he was a drunk. He came in reeking of booze all the time. And uh, I uh, have been doing what I've been told my whole life trying to be a good person, trying to do the right thing, but, you know, doing as I'm told, because if you don't, you get in trouble. Well, one day, uh, <clears throat> it was summer, the military was there, we're getting ready, we're, we're giving them their uh, weapons, we're giving them their gear, we're giving them their uh, vehicles, and I am setting up a, uh, <clears throat> you know, an acquisition for this uh, entire uh I guess it was a, I guess it was an entire regimen. Yeah. And, um, and so I was setting up uh, vehicles and getting vehicles ready and doing the maintenance and doing the paperwork uh, for this entire uh, fleet of people. And my boss, I go, I go away. And, and by, by this point, uh, all of the guys that didn't like me, which were some of the, and I hate saying this because it, I have nothing against them. But some of the um, illegal aliens that were working there, and don't ask me how they got a job there, who knows. Uh, but some of these guys took to Mark, the boss, because he was married to a Latina lady. And so they were whispering in his ear about how I was doing this and I was doing that and all these things. Well, it was all bullshit. I, was, I worked 10 times harder than these guys. Uh, and I was the only one with actual military experience besides the bosses. <clears throat> and so one day I'm looking for, uh, canisters of, um, of water to get these guys prepped and ready. And my boss drives up and he goes, get in, the, get in here. I go, why? You know, I was all like, what? <laughs> Cause I was sitting there doing my job and he's acting angry with me. And I was like, why? What, what's going on? And he says, well, I heard that you were screwing around. I heard that we have to babysit you from now on. So that's what we're going to do. And I said, whoa, 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 hold the phone, Mark. I said, I'm setting up this entire regimen with their vehicles and all their combat gear. So what part of that do you not understand? And we had it out for a little bit. And at the end, I said, listen, if you're going to fucking come to me every time there's some uh, crybaby bullshit, we're going to be going around and around and around. I'm going to go up to the big boss, Mike, and we'll talk to him and, about this and see how he feels. <laughs> and uh, to make a long story short, you guys, it got to the point where I was ready to lose my job for, for the way I was talking to him. Uh, because I was calling him a terrible drunk. I was telling him that, uh, you know, he, he was a, he, he was, he was a, a, a poor example of a soldier. <laughs> and I went off. And, but the thing is, is that I was pissed. I was like, I'm sitting here doing my job and I never didn't do my job. You know, by this point in my life, I was 36 years old. I'd already have a military career. Uh, I'd already worked as as uh, an EMT. I'd already done so many things with my life. And here I am, 36 years old, and this guy's reprimanding me like I'm a baby. You know? 
And so I said what needed to be said. And frankly, he drove off and I finished my job. And you know what? He never fucked with me again. Because at the end of the day, you guys, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and they're hearing little uh, drama whispers from the the peanut gallery, uh, they're not they're not taking they're not looking for themselves. They're taking the word of other people who have it out for you. And that will happen at a lot of jobs. Um, most, I wasn't used to that though, because most jobs, you guys, I was either the boss myself or I was put in situations where people could see. I mean, I was clean cut. I wore glasses. Uh, I never had to worry about that because I was always intellectual and, uh, people could see that I wasn't that way, that there was no need to babysit me. So it was very off putting. Uh, but, but the point is, you guys, is that, Everybody sees us differently and everybody's coming from a different set of experiences, some good and some bad, you know, but getting back to the point, you guys, is that if we don't stand up for ourselves, people will take advantage of us. People will abuse us. And so that gets me to the point of the story in collateral where <laughs> the uh, he, he crashes the vehicle. Um, his boss hears about it because, um, the tow truck or whatever contacted him and he's like, Oh, that's coming out of your paycheck. And then, uh, Vincent gets on the line and he goes, he pretends to be a DEA agent or something. He goes, he goes, uh, your umbrella, uh, policy will cover his damages. And, uh, how dare you do that to, you know, a worker who's just trying to survive, you know, and he stammers, he's like, uh, 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 He's like, if I ever hear you do that again, I'm going to come down there and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Um, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But the point is, you guys, is that Vincent got mad for Max because who talks to a grown man like, like that, you know? Or a grown woman for that matter. And so the point I'm making, and I think you know the point, but but let me say it anyways, is that it takes us a very, 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 very long time to really grow up into a, a fully grown and mature person. And sometimes we don't ever grow up. Some people never fully grow up at all. Um, I myself, I am a full, fully grown and intelligent man with emotional intelligence and integrity to live, you know, as all adults should. Uh, but that being said, um, you have to fight for it. You cannot, you will not get that, uh, out the gate in every situation, you guys. Um, and so the point I'm making that you could probably tell by now is that, um, if we don't fight for our freedom of agency, then nobody will. Okay. And we, uh, especially us who have been the working class, the working poor our whole lives, you guys. Um, unfortunately, we all suffer from arrested development because of the fact that we've never, ever had jobs that were commiserate to our intelligence or commiserate to our abilities or commiserate to our uh, sensibilities. You know, because at the end of the day, you guys, if you've only worked at Lowe's, if you've only worked as a sandwich artist, if you've only worked at various 
jobs. And there is no shame in that, you guys. Whatever you've ever done to work, I don't even care if it was a sex worker. Whatever you've done in the past, you should be proud of it. Because I am for the working class. I am for uh, the struggling working class. Because that they're, the, they're our heroes. They're the backbone of this country. And so don't ever be ashamed of the job that you do. That is not the point. The point is, is that when you take on these jobs, you always have a boss. And when you take on these jobs, no matter whether you're 27, 37, 47, or 67, you're always going to end up with bosses half your age. Now, I know why they do that. They do that for a couple of reasons. Young people are moldable. Young people are malleable. Uh, young people are, um, you know, frankly, they're, uh, they're not immune to flattery. And so they flatter these people and glamour them into the position. They feel very honored and flattered to be a supervisor. And, uh, and some of them do their job pretty good and some don't. You know, it depends on the maturity and the sensibilities of that person. I'm not going to say that all young bosses are bad bosses. Just that sometimes, though, when you're 47 or 57 or 67, you don't want to be told what to do by a 25-year-old who's been out of high school for only five years, seven years, whatever. You know, um, the point is, you guys, is that what happens is when, when, when we work, when we go from... Uh, grade school to junior high and or middle school i guess they call it now and from middle school to high school and then from high school to college and then from college to a job or sometimes just a job um we don't get an opportunity to uh always uh feel like we have freedom or power over our circumstances and so we're always relying on systems to tell us what we are to give us our identity, to give us our level of responsibility. And so when we take on these jobs, oftentimes we do not grow into the adult that we were meant to be. You know what I'm saying? And that's not to say that you're not a mature adult. Everybody is a mature adult in some way. We're all silly hearts in some ways. I'm not the most mature man in the planet because I don't want to be. I want to be fun-loving, I want to be caring, I want to be fun and funny and amusing, and I want to be a silly heart. But I've got this thing called depression that sometimes makes me forget my freedom of agency. As a free agent, I sometimes forget the great and enormous freedoms that come with being human. Whether you're in the United States or the Middle East. It does not matter. You are more free than you know. You know? You have the freedom to express yourself as you see fit. You have the freedom to go to whatever school you see fit. You have the freedom to do whatever you want with your life, and you have the freedom to express yourself in any way you want. And that is terrific. That is wonderful news. It means that all of that brainwashing all of that control they had over us goes out the window as soon as we realize what we are, as soon as we realize what we're made of, you know? 
But, you know, getting back to what I said earlier is that when we are the working class, when we are the struggling poor, uh, we should be proud of it. But we are bound by our obligations to our employer. And some of those obligations are fine, you know, show up to work, don't be stoned, you know, take a shower, don't reek, don't smell and uh, do your job. Uh, to the best of your abilities. Okay, that part is uh, fine. I have no issues with that. But what it also does over time is chip, chip, chip away at your self-esteem. Because now you think that you don't have the maturity or ability to be as smart as your boss. Or maybe you just don't want to deal with what your boss deals with. You see all the dread and crap they deal with. You see all the awful customers they have to deal with. Or you see them uh, working 80-hour shifts and they're on salary, and you're like, oh, God, no fucking way, not for me. And like Rebecca's work, if you become a manager there, they can, without anything whatsoever, they can move you out of state if they want. Like, fuck that. I got a house here, man. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? Only in a corporation ran like a fascist regime would they do that why would you do that to someone who settled in to a particular town or a particular state why would you do that unless it was just just to control them just to make them remind them of who's in control here you know and so i don't have some hateful corporate view what i have is is that some companies treat their workers better than others and some have to be forced to treat their employer employees better. They have to be forced into it. And and um, the really good thing about this COVID thing, you guys, is as awful as it is, and the loss of life and uh, the political strife and everything that's been created. Um, the good part of it is is that a lot of these companies are losing employees and they're hemorrhaging jobs left and right, forcing these companies to take pay cuts. So that they can uh, have enough workers to do the job at hand. Now, how that plays out over time, it's hard to say. My guess, because I'm a cynical old bastard, is that they're as soon as they start getting their monies back, they're going to start cutting hours, and they're going to start cutting employees, and they're going to start living on a skeleton crew uh, forevermore, putting more of the burden on the employees than they used to. Because that's how corporations do. Isn't that fun? But the point is, you guys, is that when you've been working these jobs, and when you've been in high school, and when you've been in grade school, and when you've been, you know, in all of these institutions, you become institutionalized, whether you know it or not. That doesn't mean that you're not a great person. That doesn't mean that you're not free. You are free. You just don't know it yet. And so uh, movies like Fight Club, movies like Collateral are, you know, a lot of people are like, ew, that's just offensive and gross. And yeah, you know, if you can't get past some of the, you know, grittier aspects of it, fine. But you're missing the greater point. The greater point is, you guys, is that we have, we must at some point in our life exercise this profound existential uh, 
observation of who we are and what we are and who and what we want to be. Because if we don't, forevermore, we're going to allow other people to tell us how to act, tell us what to be, and we're going to be just beta workers for the entirety of our life. But worse than that, we are never, ever going to learn agency, okay? So so when I talk about agency, let me define it for you. Okay, so here on uh, Wikipedia, it says, The sense of agency or sense of control is the subjective awareness of initiating executing and controlling one's own volitional actions in the world. It is the pre-reflective awareness or implicit sense that it is I who is executing bodily movements or thinking thoughts. In non-pathological experience, the SA is tightly integrated with one's own sense of ownership, which is to pre-reflective aware- which is the pre-reflective awareness or implicit sense that one is the owner of an action, movement, or thought. And so the point is, you guys, is that um, we can uh, live our entire lives and never fully experience agency. We may think we're free. We may think we're our own agent. We may think we're acting on our own best interests. But what if you guys, we've been uh, fighting mental health battles, we've been fighting depression and anxiety, we've been fighting for our right to exist, we've been fighting for validation for so long that we've almost grown, uh, you know, to the point where we don't have a strong sense of self, we don't have a strong sense of identity anymore, and we almost become uh, so... Uh, exhaustively tired of fighting for our right to exist that um, we might grow a little too, you know, imbalanced in our ability to uh, defend our, uh, our own agency. In other words, um, when you've been crapped on your whole life, it's hard to um, sometimes not go too far when others are uh, trying to take away our freedoms are taking away our sense of agency. You know, just like when I was telling you about my boss at the, at the military base, you know, I wasn't doing anything wrong. By then I was 36 years old. I've already served in the military. I already had tons of training and here's this guy trying to take away my freedom of agency because a bunch of guys that uh, were jealous of me who were uh, just a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, you know, problem causers, bunch of troublemakers are, are, are telling him things that aren't true. And so because I've been treated that way for so much of my life and because I've known nothing but working struggles, working class life, uh, I forgot my own agency. And just like when Max starts to realize his own agency in the movie, he re- he realizes that he he has to do something about this. This sociopathic predator is trying to kill people and will most likely kill him if he doesn't figure this out. Now, most of us don't have a gun pointed to our head, thankfully. 
But I use that movie as an analogy that sometimes it feels like um, we're always, always making excuses why we don't get better, why we don't grow, why we don't lo- uh, fight for our right to exist, you know? And so at the end of the day, you guys, I'm not saying that you're not grown. I'm not saying you're not adult. I'm not saying you're not mature. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is, is that when you grow up in a society that um, shapes your life and personality and mentality based on your wealth and not your content of character, you are put in the tenuous position of either acting accordingly or fighting accordingly. You know, I mean, look at Donald Trump and his kids. They have a heightened sense of, of, of power and intellect where oftentimes they can't show it. <laughs> it's like, show your work. I can't. Why not? Because somebody else did my work for me. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to get political here, but the point is, you guys, is that when you're born wealthy, you're born with an inherent sense of heightened sense of agency. You might want to call it arrogance. Whereas when you're born poor, or if you're born without a lot of money, sometimes we have a a lowered sense of agency. We don't understand the freedoms that we have. And sometimes it takes certain things to give us that push. Could be, uh, you know, it could be a job that somebody just pushes you too far and finally you go, nope. I'm taking control back or, you know, maybe uh, you hit the end of your rope emotionally. Uh, so, somebody dies in your family or uh, some some hardship happens. But the point is, you guys, is that some catalyst acts on you in such a way where from that point on, you're changed from that moment on. And very rarely do we have things in our life that are so profound that they would do a change in, in us uh, permanently. Most of the time something happens and we, maybe we get right for a little while. Maybe we start standing up for ourselves for a time, but we, we just kind of, we sleep it off and then we go back to our mousy ways the next day. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so once you choose to be free, once you choose agency, um, it's scary because, Oh my God, now for the first time, uh, you're not doing as others tell you. You're doing as you see fit. And uh, if if you aren't used to it, uh, it's not to say that you're not smart. It's not to say that you aren't creative. It's not to say that you're uh, not worthy. You are. But you're, you've got this newfound freedom of agency that you've never really exercised before. And like a person that's never exercised, they tire out quickly and they don't know how quite to do it, you know. You've seen those guys that go to Planet Fitness that don't know what they're doing. You're like, what are you doing over there, buddy? Uh, so the point is, you guys, is that we have to learn how to be free. We have to learn agency. And how do we do that? Well, it's, it's multifaceted and it's convoluted and it's confusing and it's complicated. But in a general sense, I believe the way we fight for, and, and develop our agency is we have to, first of all, tell ourselves that whatever you do, you have to take credit for, not God, but yourself. Now, 
If you want to, you know, thank God in the evenings and thank you, God, for my great life, fine. I'm not going to try to change you on that. Um, but my point is, is that you get to take credit for your achievements and you also take credit for your failures. So as a grown-up, you've now decided I have free will and I have agency. So now that you've done that, you have to take the good with the bad. That means you take uh, responsibility for your failures and you take uh, responsibility for your successes. And nothing against God, but you get credit when you do right. Okay? Now, many, many of us, when we are challenged by scary people, intimidating people, when we're challenged by big systems, when we're challenged with job loss and all these things, that's the problem, you guys, when you decide to have kids or when you decide to buy a house or when you decide to buy a car or something. We all have to do it. Um, but the more we have, the more we seek to lose, right? And so sometimes um, we don't feel like we have agency, we live for those kids, or we live for that house, or we live for our partner, right? Um, and so when you are deciding for the first time that you are going to take control of your life, you're going to take agency over your life, you have to take responsibility for all that happens, good and bad, but you also get to take credit for all the good things you do, and you get to, for the first time, have to start finding the emotional maturity and emotional intelligence for that agency. And so what I mean is, is that um, it's scary taking control. It's like if you were flying a plane or, or driving a bus and somebody goes, goes here, take the steering wheel. We like, ah, no, no, I don't have the training. In other words, it takes practice to exercise your freedom, to exercise your agency. But it also takes grit and determination because now for the first time, you are saying to yourself, oh my God, I am a grown-up. I am no longer, the training wheels are off. This is not a test. This is for real. And oh my God, this is scary. And that's why the vast majority of us uh, either weren't raised to feel like adults or have, have lived our entire lives going to school and then from job to job to job uh, as, as, as grown kids. Not because of you, but because of the system and the way it treats you. Very rarely do, do we have the sense of empowerment to grow up and really grow a pair. You know what I mean? We have to accept responsibility for the good and bad. And we have to take control over our mentalities, over all of our immaturities, over all of our uh, personality snags. Maybe we have a temper. Maybe we tell people to fuck off too much, whatever. But the point is, is that anything that isn't, that's getting in the way of your forward moving progress, we have to deal with that. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to start kissing people's butt. What it means is, is that if you know that you are the kind of person that gets upset easily over things, then you're going to have to learn to talk with people the right way. Come correct with them. If you uh, are, are somebody who's tired, tired, tired of having to validate yourself 
and you're tired of the world challenging you on your abilities, um, you're going to have to step up and show people, this is why I want y'all to shut up. You know, be a grown up and grow up. And that doesn't mean that you can't be fun loving. That doesn't mean that you can't be a silly heart. I am very, very silly sometimes. It, you know, my silliness is not an indicator of my maturity. Okay. If I wanted to act like Mr. Serious all the time, I could. If I got some ego pleasure out of that, I would, but I don't anymore. I realized a long time ago how silly the world is and how we play this back and forth of, of yes, sir, no, sir, how high, sir. And after a while, you start to learn that the ones that are getting ahead are the ones that know how to play the system correctly doesn't mean they're smarter than you. It just might mean that they might have a higher opinion of themselves than you, or maybe they have a higher higher functionality than you because they're willing to take grueling hours and greater hours and more responsibilities that you don't want. Maybe because you have kids at home or maybe because you're at an age now where you don't want to deal with all that shit. And so, but the thing of it is, you know, like when I was working at Lowe's, I tried to become manager three times. I applied for managerial positions and three times I was summarily dismissed. <clears throat> now, does that mean that I wasn't mature enough for the manager position? No. Um, but after a while, I began to see the corporate agenda that the ones that were getting ahead were the biggest ass kissers. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes people get the job because they're qualified. Sometimes it's because they have more experience. Sometimes it's because, um, you know, they have a certain personality type that uh, works well with, uh, you know, managerial positions. So don't think that for a second that your boss is somehow superior to you. It just means, you know, they're willing to make certain sacrifices you're not, okay? But the thing is, is that we, we don't... We don't want to take control of our agency just because we want more money or just because we want more freedom or just because we're tired of the world telling us who we are and how we have to be. I mean, yes, that is part of it. But the bigger picture reason is because if we continually go down that road of, you know, not getting right with ourselves. We're going to continually make excuses instead of make reasons why we should be doing more. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm partially disabled. I have fibromyalgia. So I have to live within the parameters of my limitations, and so do you. Okay, so that doesn't mean that you're not worthy or valid, though. Okay, it just means that you might have, you know, certain, you know, certain intellect. You might, you know, maybe you didn't get any further than, you know, high school math. Shit, I sucked at math. <laughs> um, so if I was going out for certain positions that require a lot of math, eh, well, I might have to learn all that math. But the point I'm making is that we all have certain limitations. So we should not let those limitations define us. What we allow to define us is our character. Okay. And, and, and while this might seem self-evident to a lot of you, um, a lot of people wake up every day resetting the board rather than climbing the ladder. We get to a point in our life where we don't want to be bothered anymore. We get to a point in life where we become sort of uh, immune to everything. We become sort of 
just uh, glamored, uh, brainwashed, uh, desensitized, if you will, from the day-in, day-out life. And some of us, we just kind of, you know, especially us introverts, especially us shy, awkward people, or especially the sensitives, the empaths, um, we don't want to live in that world out there because you have to be tough as nails and you have to go through a lot of crap and drama. And so some of us just choose, eh, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to accept less in life because, frankly, I'm I'm an introvert, you know, and um, and that's quite all right if that's what you want. But if you want more out of life, you have to start understanding that when you develop your sense of self, when you're developing your sense of agency, you have to be able to. Um, Deal with the tough times. You have to learn uh, emotional grit and maturity. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't be funny and silly from time to time. It just means time and place. You know, you have to know when it's time to be serious and when it's time to be funny. Um, I have had bosses that were real cut-ups. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. You know, not all bosses are assholes. Not all bosses are dicks. Some bosses are funny and cool people. And thank goodness for that. And that teaches us, oh, that we can be ourselves when we're the boss too. You know, whenever I was a boss, and I've been a boss a few times, but whenever I was the boss, I was the boss that showed you that I was not, I did not get a big head about my position. I do this, I facilitate this, and you do this. They're just different scopes of practice. So when I was the boss, I would show uh, the people that were underneath me that I wasn't afraid to clean toilets. I'd go clean the toilets. I wasn't afraid to do dishes. I wasn't afraid to, quote unquote, lower myself to the lesser duties because it's a team effort, you guys. And when you aren't doing a job for ego gratification, when you're doing it for the money or if you're doing it for the sense of worth and self, you don't get a big head about it. Okay, so so I want you guys to start thinking about your agency. There's another term here for agency, and it is um, phenomenal, phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal will. That's another word for self agency. Phenomenal will. Um, I'm a big nerd. I'm a big. I'm big into uh, superheroes, and I what I always loved about the Green Lantern is that. He was only as good as a lantern as he had willpower, you know, and uh, his willpower is what made the difference between him and everybody else. And um, that's what I learned. I was not the smartest. I was not the fastest. Um, I was not the most funny. Um, but what I was, was I had the most willpower. So when I decided to lift weights, I went the extra mile. When I decide to run, I choose not to give up at mile four. I go the extra mile. And so um, we don't do these things for others. We do it for ourselves. So when you're thinking about freedom and you're thinking about agency, I want you guys to think about your sense of worth, your sense of control. I want you to think about the 20, 30, 40 years you've been working a job uh, as an underling of sorts and um, some of the tenuous positions it's put you under, 
Maybe it's embarrassing to feel like an underling, or maybe you feel like your boss just doesn't treat you well. Um, you know, Rebecca worked in the medical field uh, for 22 years or something like that. And every time she got a job, her boss was a doctor. Now, I like doctors, but sometimes doctors can be, they have a very high opinion of their agency. They have a very strong sense of self. They have grown to uh, to train themselves to have free will where they don't get embarrassed, they don't get shy and coy, and they don't get immature, and they don't allow themselves to fly off the handle or, 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 or act out. They have trained themselves to be disciplined around other people. doesn't mean that they're smarter than everyone. doesn't mean that they're better than anyone. What it means is that they've trained themselves to be leaders and not followers because that's why there are so many uh, schools of thought when it comes to management training. Now I want to end with a story here. Well, first I'll tell you the end. I won't give anything away, but at the end of collateral, he got to the point where finally he's driving down the street and he's losing his shit. And he's like, God, this guy's going to kill me. And so he just started flying off. And Vincent's got a gun to his head. He's like, slow down, slow down. And he, and he, he, he hits this divide and they go crashing. And, uh, by this point, Vincent knows that, you know, he, he, he no longer has control over Max. He lost control over Max when Max chose to take matters into his own hands. And, uh, Vincent goes running and he goes to uh, take off for his final target. And then Max gets out and, uh, uh, he, he sees Vincent nowhere and a uh, police officer comes up to try to help him. And then all of a sudden the uh, trunk opens and there's a dead body in there. And of course, Vincent did it. And uh, he, you know, points the gun at him. He goes, get on the ground, you know? And so he had to dominate the cop, handcuff him to the car so that he could take off after Vincent because he found out that the final target was the lawyer in the beginning of the movie that he uh, forged a, a really close bond with. He liked her. So he was going to go after her and save her life. She was the final target. Okay, so anyways, the point is, you guys, is that it took all this pushing for Max to finally grow into a badass motherfucker, you know? You don't just get there uh, out of watching movies you don't you know you can like me in the military you can train a million hours in the um in warfare but until you're on a battlefield you've never been tested now i personally have never seen real battlefield thank goodness i used to say to myself gosh i wish i had gone over there because that's what you train for. That's how you're trained to, to want to help, to want to fight. Uh, but then as I got older, I realized, no, I, 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 I was lucky that I didn't get chosen because I could have very easily been there and I could have easily gone through a couple tours and I could have very easily ended up, uh, getting my ass shot off. You don't know. So it's all luck of the draw. It's not because you're not a good soldier. It's just, you know, we're not stronger than bullets and we're not stronger than mortars. And so, um, you know, your lifespan reduces drastically when you're in war. But 
The point is, you guys, is that the reason why in the military we train for so many hours is so that by the time you get into a situation that you can't control, um, your training takes over. And so what I want you guys to start thinking about when it comes to you is if you want better out of your life, you're going to have to choose to be better. If you want more out of life, you're going to have to make decisions. If you don't, because there's some hurdle that you don't want to go through, well, that's okay too. But that doesn't mean that you have to give up. And that doesn't mean that you have to get small and meek. It means that uh, in your own way, you choose to get as strong as you wish to be. You choose your own agency over your own life. And um, you will start to feel a new power and control over your life. And with that, you will find mastery over your depression. You will find mastery over yourself that you never had before. But you have to, you can't manufacture that catalyst. That catalyst has to come from either something scary that changes you, or you have to make an intentional decision today or tomorrow or whenever to make the change in yourself. That doesn't mean that you're not a good person. That doesn't mean that you're not strong-willed. It just means that from this point forward, I choose agency over myself. There is a great responsibility level in agency, but there's a tremendous sense of freedom and accomplishment in it too. And it doesn't always mean that we're going to go be managers. It doesn't always mean that we're going to go try different jobs. It doesn't always mean that we're going to go do things that we don't want to do. All I'm trying to get you guys to understand is that if you want something, go for it. You are good enough. If you continually cry about your mental health woes and continually cry about the world being unfair and continually cry about, um, you know, not being good enough and the negative self-talk, you are never, ever, ever going to be mature enough in your mind to take agency and mastery over your physical body and your thoughts. You see what I'm saying? All I want for you guys is to learn control and mastery over your body and mind. Control, discipline, not for me, for you. You are the owner of you. You are the master of your own destiny. You are the master and pilot of your own journey. And, you know, at my age, there's certain ships that have flown by, you know, that's okay. I don't want to be a manager of a store anymore. I don't want to take mastery over certain jobs and positions because, for quite frankly, I've done them all and I'm tired of it. <laughs> but you might be young and you want to gain life experience and you want to grow and you want to meet new people and you want to do new things and you want to travel and you want to do all these exciting things. I've done a lot of those things, but that doesn't mean that I don't still have things that I have to cross off my bucket list. When I realized that I was never going to take agency over my own self until I said bye-bye to the corporate world and all these low-hanging fruit jobs, these go-nor situations, I realized that I was never going to become powerful 
until I realized who I was, what I wanted, and how I wanted it. You know, and so that's what I want for you guys. So when I was working at the Army Post, um, I continued working there for several more months, and that guy never fucked with me again. Because I was, I stood up for myself. And, but the thing is, is I had to take agency over my life and my personality from that day forward. Every day I stepped on that army post, I was a more badass motherfucker version of myself. Not because uh, I was intimidated, but because from that point on, I knew that this guy could fuck with me anytime he wanted and he just might. And so I had to be ready for the comeback line. I had to be ready to t- put him in his place. I had to be ready when people were giving me gr- grief. And I had to be ready to be strong at any time. But that also meant I had to be responsible and also meant that I had to take agency for my responsibilities. And I did. And I did. And if you don't like your job and you don't want to get ahead in that job, that's okay. I'm not telling you to go do things you don't want to do. Let your heart be your guide go where you want to go but when you do it when you finally want to apply a little extra juice in life realize that you're it's going to take discipline it's going to take grit it's going to take determination and it's going to take focus that doesn't mean that you have to be that way for the rest of your life necessarily it means though that as you're doing the hard things in your life There's going to be a value to it once you've attained it. I've put all the hours into my training. I've put all the hours into my uh, reschooling. I've put all the hours into my physical fitness. And I have to tell you, I'm not yet where I want to be, but I'm getting there. I'm a runner. I lift weights. And uh, I am still trying to improve. I have so much more growing to do. I'm thinking of putting out a second podcast. I'm thinking of writing a book. I'm thinking of putting out a comedy album. I am thinking of all the ways in which I can grow uh, for myself, but also because I dedicated my life after a very depressing and unceremonious life as a worker bee, I chose to represent the the people you guys the the regular folks out there just struggling to find balance and control and conviction over their own lives and that's what i want for you guys because when we find agency we all get better the society gets better we are only as good as our weakest link you guys if our democracy requires a, an educated populace then we need to educate everyone on the truths so that they can vote with an educated understanding of who they're voting for and why. And so what I'm not saying that our system is perfect, far from it. Why do I align myself with one party and not the other? Because I took a stand towards the party that I think is going to best represent my values and best represent the outcomes and sustainable living that I want for myself. That does not mean that I think they're my friends. 
That does not mean that I will always, always have allegiance towards the Democratic Party. Far from it. I am an independent person. I'm an independent politically, and I'm an independent individual in general. I am a free agent. And today marks the day where your journey, you can choose to keep going back into your life, into the fight, getting slammed and punched and prodded and poked and fucked with, or you can decide to go back into the ring a warrior, a spiritual warrior, ready to fight. That doesn't take a whole lot more effort. It only takes a little bit more effort and a clear vision of who you are and what you want out of life. And I want that for you guys because as we, as sensitives, we as people who are uh, have always been screwed with, the working class, the working poor, the struggling poor. When we stand up, the game is over, you guys. And I've talked about that before, but my agenda is simple. I want our society to start feeling good again. I want people to feel good again. I want you guys to find your joy and your happiness and your conviction. And so sometimes that means you're going to have to work hard. And sometimes that means that you're going to have to give up on things that you don't want anymore. You're going to have to close that door and be okay with it. I'm okay with that. I'm not ever going to go back to that, and that's okay. But whatever you choose to do with your life, you have a a choice every day to continually put up with other people's grief or to start controlling yourself. But in order to do so, you have to train your mind, body, and soul. You have to condition yourself for whatever you choose to do. So if you're not always so tough around other people, that means you're going to have to find ways to put up with people's criticisms if you uh, fight back. You're going to have to look for ways to fight back if you uh, cry sometimes when somebody uh, comes back at you and yells at you or something. If you're, if you're not a strong person in that way because you're emotionally sensitive, that's okay. But there are ways that you can still empower yourself. There are ways in which you can condition yourself to put up with the, and have the grit and determination to fight back without getting in trouble. <laughs> so that's what this is all about, you guys. So I hope you un- appreciated that story. Um, I love movies like Collateral. I love movies like Fight Club, not because they're violent. I detest violence, but because they're talking about changing people from the inside out. We have to learn what this life is. We have to learn what it isn't. We have to stop barking up the wrong trees, start barking up the right trees, and start taking inventory of our life And start, you know, drawing a line in that sand of what we are willing to put up with and what we are not. And I assure you guys, when you start standing up for yourself, people are going to think you're cooler. They're going to think you're smarter. They're going to think you're tougher. And I want all you gentle souls out there to be able to battle in this world and be able to put up with the sociopaths and the hardheads, and all those bastards out there, so that you can have a better quality of life. Because if we don't fight, we uh, will we'll eventually lose the fight. 
We have to keep fighting. And we have to keep finding new reasons every day. And we have to find new reasons to get happy every day. That doesn't mean that sometimes we don't cry. That doesn't mean that sometimes we aren't licking our wounds. That doesn't mean that we don't sometimes self-care when we're wounded. But once we've licked our wounds and we're feeling strong again, you never, ever want to get weak again. It's like when I lift weights, I once I'm strong and powerful, I never want to stop. Some people get addicted to it, like the rock, you know. Um, and that conviction in the gym is also paramount to his conviction outside of the gym, too. That's why people who work out all the time tend to be more successful, not only because they look better, but they they are taking control and mastery of their physical selves and therefore taking control and mastery of their emotional selves as well. And that takes care of their spiritual selves. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not asking that you guys, you know, because I... I get very annoyed, and I've talked about this recently on bonus episodes. I get very annoyed with people who think uh, they're better than others simply because they're muscular, or they're better than others simply because they're celebrities, or, they're, or they have more money or something. We are all equal. We are all potentially born equal on this planet. And so I just want people to start feeling good. This world, you know, we always say, you know, back in the 80s, in the 90s, we're just like, oh, I love, love life, you know. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the sand ran out of the, um, of the, uh, out of the hourglass. And we all feel like time has run out and we're not allowed to be happy anymore. We're not allowed to be, um, fun loving anymore. We're not allowed to be jovial anymore. And I say, fuck that. We can't help that it's 2022. We can't help that we just went through four years of Trump and now we're going through four years of Biden. Whatever your preference is up to you. But my point is, you guys, we take inventory and control of our life by being strong. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have moments of weakness. It doesn't mean that we're not going to fail. It just means that when we discipline ourselves and get a little grit in our eye, no matter how sensitive we are, and I'm very sensitive, I'm also very strong. I have a lot of willpower and determination. And um, that's the one thing I'm afraid of showing you guys sometimes. Because I'm afraid if I say something, uh, you guys are going to hold it against me. But I, I, I assure you, the reason why I say some of the piss and vinegar things that I say is because I am now free. And it is fucking exhilarating, you guys. It's freeing. It's, oh, it's spiritual. To be able to say whatever you want without people judging, without people, without caring what people think, without people having to modify your behavior. Ah, oh, it's great. <laughs> so that's what I have for you guys. And, uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for, uh, your contributions on Patreon. I want to thank you guys for, you know, if you can pitch in a, just a couple of bucks a month, that would go so far into helping me build this empath tribe and to help motivate and encourage you guys to get better. I will be here as a mental health resource. I will be here as a resource for my empath tribe and for empaths out there. I am here as a resource uh, for whatever you need. It doesn't mean, though, because at the end of the day, I can teach all day long. 
you have to take those instructions and do something with it and apply it to your own life. And if it doesn't apply to your life, if my advice doesn't apply to you, then, well, I guess you're going to have to find your own way. Maybe somebody else uh, out there uh, just speaks to you more than I do. But I hope, I hope, ladies and gentlemen, that um, I have moved you and touched you in some way. I hope that uh, we have helped you in some way. Uh, we've gotten many, many emails about the people we're helping uh, to escape uh, regressive jobs or regressive situations, uh, narcissistic sociopath abuse, things like that. And uh, that's what Rebecca and I are all about. So thank you guys so much to, for being a part of our Empath Tribe. And thank you for listening. We're here twice a week. And uh, we're going to be back with another episode next week. And so, uh, yeah, uh, if you are interested, I've got a Patreon page. I've got a YouTube channel that's coming soon. And uh, we're slowly but surely growing. And uh, like I said in this video, in this audio, uh, I'm only going to get as big as I dare allow myself to get. I have to believe in myself. I have to believe in what I'm doing. And I do. And I'm very, very passionate. And my willpower will prevail eventually. If I have to keep coming back every day <laughs> and, and getting you guys to understand what we're all about, we are about taking care of empaths and robust living and robust mental health for everybody. We want to live in a more cheerful, classy, and progressive society. We want to live in a more sustainable society. And we want people to stop being so angry and hateful toward each other and petty and start taking command of our happiness. That's what it's all about. So thank you guys. I love you guys so much. And we will see you on Instagram. We will see you on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you guys so much for your patronage. And thank you guys so much for your friendship and encouragement and support. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Love you.